Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and if I sound a little groggy, a little low voice, it's because it's pretty early this morning. <laughs> uh, I am up earlier than normal to try to get this podcast out to you guys today because I have to work today, unfortunately. Um, but it's it's a good thing in the sense that uh, we're getting a uh, we're getting four brand new tall glass cases. So I dropped a ton of money on these new glass cases, just something to kind of increase what we can you know display in the store. And it, it's going to look really awesome when it's done. But unfortunately, I have to go in today because the cases are getting delivered, and then I have to help my friend Rob, who is I guess I can talk about this a little bit. It's it's very fresh, um, very very fresh, and we haven't officially signed the paperwork yet. Um, but, uh, a friend of mine, Rob really wanted to open up his own game store, uh, in Oshkosh. So it's about 45 minutes away from my store. He really, really wanted to open it, but he, he really wanted some help. And of course I offered him my, you know, we're friends. So I'm like, yeah, I, I can, uh, dude, any help you need. You know, I, I've been doing this now for eight years, not to mention my time at GameStop for 11 years. Like I, I'm here. Uh, I did the same thing for my friends at press start games a couple years ago. Uh, and so, uh, he uh, appreciated that, of course, but also now he is letting us like he, he basically wants me to be a part owner in his business. And, and uh, that's I think that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be a part owner of a new game store that's opening uh, very part owner, by the way. It's very, very minimal, but it's you know, it's it's something and I'll still be helping out with it. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out in Oshkosh. I'll have more details in the future. Uh, but I'm, I'm basically the reason I mentioned that was because I'm selling my old glass cases to Rob. So he's going to come pick those up today. I got to get those down to Oshkosh to help him. And yes. And so my day off quickly became not a day off. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, uh, that's why I have to go into work today, but I didn't want to wait till Thursday to do the podcast. And who knows, I might be too tired on Thursday to even do it. And I might not want to do anything YouTube related on Thursday since it's my only day off this week. So I thought let's just pump it out early in the morning. There's a couple things I want to talk about. Um, we've got this, uh, Polygon put up a, a weird story and I don't know how else to say it, except it's just a weird story about, anti-loot boxes being a threat to sports games and it's full of facts um but it's weird it's taking a different angle almost like you know at first everyone jumped on them about you know all oh, the poor corporations so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit um and then we've got um oh let's see here there was some other story damn it i just had, i totally spaced on it. i had my tabs open and i closed it it's very early um what was it? Oh, um, Mari Car got sued again um, <laughs> for like the billionth time, and they won again. Uh, basically, that's the uh, go-karting service in Japan. I actually did it, too. Um, it's super fun. Uh, I wish that more people would do it, and so many people criticize it, and they've never actually, um, never actually done it. <laughs> You know, and they they act like it's garbage and it's stupid and it's really, really uh, unfortunate. So we're gonna talk about that again, and uh, and maybe I'll tell some of my Mario Kart stories again. Uh, but so we got that, and then I've got my pickup pile, which is out of control. I have a pickup pile of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty. 
14 games that I picked up in the last week since our last podcast. And, of course, our game of the week here is waiting. So it might be a little bit shorter today as I go through these. But uh, um, but it's just, unfortunately, the, the nature of the beast this week with what I got going on. And, un- unfortunately, until this pays the bills, <laughs> this is how it's going to be. So, uh, so uh, without further ado, uh, let's get the show rolling. So first on the podcast today, I really want to talk about this article that popped up on Polygon June 1st by Owen S. Good. Owen's Good (laughs) on Polygon. Basically, the headline, Anti-Loot Box Bill Poses a Real Threat to Sports Video Games, which in itself is accurate. You know, I don't think that's debatable. I think what's going to be debatable is is the angle uh, that some people take on this. And now, I hadn't read the article until this morning. And a lot of people on Twitter, though, blew up. And uh, Jim Sterling, who I do enjoy his content, the Jimquisition, was one of the first snarky people to tweet out about how, oh, the poor corporation, oh, the poor corporations, I'm Jim Sterling's son, the corporations. That was a terrible accent, but you get the point. <laughs> and, and and so I'm not uh, I'm not disappointed in that. I, I guess I, I can understand why an article like this would come out and people are like, well, who cares about the triple A publisher we hate ea right we're willing to allow the government to regulate loot boxes we hate ea so much that's a lot of people's stance on this uh which i am not one of those so uh however it is an interesting take and an angle that you may not have expected and it is it is interesting to know if you don't play sports games which a lot of people don't who like are in gaming culture who who listen to gaming podcasts sports games might be some of the games they skip out but there's really the there's really like the 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 four big offenders I would say, FIFA Ultimate Team makes unbelievable amounts of money for EA. It's it's their most profitable aspect I believe. Uh, NBA the NBA 2K series, MLB the Show, and of course Madden Football. Those would be like the four biggest ones. And so the article goes on to say, if passed in anything close to its proposed form, Senator Josh Hawley, who we talked about uh, last week. His legislation will punish, if not obliterate, a staple genre of video gaming for offenses it never really committed. That may be fine with you. You may not like sports or their games. You may hate electronic arts because everything, because everyone else does. But this is the feeling I get when I read the text of proposed Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act. That's the name of the stupid legislation they're trying to pass. Because it goes well beyond what actually got everyone angry which is Star Wars Battlefront 2's original loot boxes. Uh yeah, I guess I could say it. that's I mean it's it's been it was brewing for a while, but that was the one where it said, "Hey, it's a Star Wars game, so screw you, it's in your face." Uh the list of no-nos the bill prescribes covers all the ways in which licensed team sports video games now make a lot, if not most of their money. And that's not just FIFA Ultimate Team, which everyone loves to complain about while playing it endlessly. It's the similarly positioned my career of NBA 2K. And it's the Diamond Dynasty for MLB The Show. So right away, though, I understand why people got a little snarky with this article because instantly it's, you're wrong for complaining. Here's why these companies need to do it because they need to make money. And while I do agree with that to an extent, <laughs> this is something that's been a long time coming. And they were the ones who kept... Um, extending and pulling and extending and pulling the video game companies until they reach this point where now we're in this nightmare essentially with the possibility of the government saying what can and cannot be in our video games 
Now, will this ever pass? Who knows? Hawaii tried something very similar that did not pass. It got it didn't even leave committee. So it could be the same thing here. But again, you've got people who don't even play video games discussing the future of our hobby and our medium. So that should automatically concern you. Now, do I really feel sorry for sports games? Not particularly. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna be disappointed if EA doesn't make as much money. But here are some thoughts, and here's just some facts of the business, right? So because of this expected revenue, EA is able to spread money across the board to all projects. As a company, they have a budget based on their earnings, and that budget includes, and while EA certainly doesn't get super creative, if you think that them losing money on FIFA won't affect other projects that aren't sports games, you'd be wrong. It affects everything. It affects the bottom line. It affects the. It affects everything. And, and so you might see things like, oh, you know, FIFA did really well this year. All these other sports games are doing well. We have a little bit of money for some experimental games here. Let's put some money into publishing tiny stuff. Um, they did a, a way out. You know, they publish, they, 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 they've got their indie initiative where they're trying to publish more indie stuff. So those projects could be affected by that. Now, again, could they still support those products and projects with the money they make outside of FIFA? Yes. And so I'm not saying that, like, you have to support them to support indies, but that's just it's just a fact that they'll have less money to go around. Not to mention that thousands and thousands of people are employed by this company, and when they make less money, they have to trim some of that. And as much as in a perfect world we'd love for the CEO to take a 50% pay cut, it doesn't happen. That's not the way that um, our society works when it comes to how they pay heads of companies here. It, you know, it became a very uber competitive thing. It's almost like college coaches and how much they get paid. It has to do with competition and quality of work. And even though that person doesn't do the actual playing on the field, it's it's <laughs> that's just the structure of our corporate America. And, and, and I could argue how, how frustrating that is sometimes, but it is how it works. So as much as I'd love to see a CEO have his pay cut in half so that we could have greater games and not have loot boxes and things. It just, it's probably not going to happen. And that's okay. Um, so, what I'd like to see going forward is, because this is essentially what's going to happen. I, what I'd like to see is this legislation die a horrible, horrible death. But before doing so, scares uh, scares these companies into realizing that they need to regulate themselves before more people try to bring up legislation because it wasn't just about gambling for kids i mean if you look a lot of this stuff is pay to win and other things so it is what people were upset about the law covers that the legislation covers that but is that really what we want is again the government sticking their nose into it i, I personally don't and and uh and, and i'm not like i said i'm not losing sleep over the fact that ea might not make as many hundreds of millions of dollars as it does but that affects other things and you have to you have to understand that and so as we move on though where are we supposed to go from here? Um, well, <laughs> um, what I'd like to see is I think that the sports companies are the one company in the whole world that would make most sense to go to games as a service. You know, I think pe what was people's main complaint before the ultimate team and the random loot boxes and everything long before all of that, people's argument was that they make a new Madden every year and it never changes. Right. There's a new sports game every year. They make minor changes and they expect us to buy it. And then after a few years, they stop. Like, I don't even know how long it is. Maybe it's one year, but they stop doing roster updates to the old game. So if you want roster updates without creating the players yourself, you have to get the new game. 
But why wouldn't it make more than total sense for them to do these games as a games as a service, have seasons, just like how your actual sports have seasons, um, where you unlock things during the season pass by completing, essentially completing achievements, leveling up by playing so much, doing challenges, stuff like that. That seems to be the way these companies need to go. Now, will that make them as much money as like FIFA with their ultimate team system? Probably not, but it'll make them a lot more money than just selling a copy of the game every year. And so that's, I think, kind of the middle ground here. And they have been pushing the boundaries of what's decent when it comes to these, um, I, don't know, I guess you'd call them microtransactions, but, you know, whatever. I mean, people even hack accounts to buy FIFA cards. Like, that was a big thing for on Xbox Live. People were hacking their accounts so they could buy FIFA Ultimate Points. It was so weird. But it, it is a big money-making thing. So... Um, but that would make sense to me, right? Why, why aren't these games becoming a games as a service? That would make the most sense for a sports game. That way you're not releasing a new disc every year, but you're getting people to keep playing by offering them the bonuses. And that's and you offer the same sort of thing. If you, if you don't know what a season pass is, or sometimes they're called battle passes for certain games. And I'll be honest, I've recently finally come to know these well from the different games I've been playing because it's usually something I avoid in a game. So usually in free-to-play games, I'll have something called a battle pass that you buy. It's like 10 bucks. Usually I'd say it's like 10 bucks, maybe 20 if you want a booster. So it's like 10 bucks. And as you play through this quote-unquote season, as you unlock things and level up by playing more, you unlock hidden um, cosmetic items. You know, it could in, in FIFA and stuff, it could be alternate uniforms, it could be whatever. So you unlock different things that are typically cosmetic only. Every now and then you'll unlock some sort of booster, like you'll unlock... Um, a thing that like I'm playing Dauntless for instance right now and Dauntless is kind of like a monster hunter type game so you'll unlock like a you know you'll unlock something like a what I want to say uh something like um like a, a special potion that gives you a speed boost for the next mission you're on or something like that. so little things like that obviously in a sports game that would tilt the scales so you really probably couldn't do that um, but you unlock that, and then there are things like the Battle Pass Plus, where you buy that, plus it gives you... Because basically how it works is you do so many things, and you just level up. And they'll have some maybe a cap of, like, level 50, and every level you'll unlock something. Well, they'll also have something like the Season Pass, where you can buy in for another $10 above the normal Season Pass, and they'll give you, like, 15 free levels. So one that gets you free stuff unlocked quickly. Again, it's kind of like a pay-to-advance sort of situation, but also say you really wanted the final level 50 bonus, and... You couldn't, you know, you didn't have enough time to get it. You could pay money to boost yourself or whatever. So, the, you know, that's often how they get people who are really committed to these games to pay more. And if it sounds kind of skeevy, I mean, I feel like it was in the beginning too, but in a totally free-to-play game, I'm okay with that, especially if it's a free-to-play game that has legs and it, it, it will go for quite a while. So, um, <laughs> so that to me makes sense. Why, I mean, in, in, in a, in a, based off of a, a, a video game franchise that literally has seasons in it, you could do something very similar. And you might have to do more seasons than that, or you might have to do like the mid-season updates to get people to keep playing. But I think I think this would actually do more to keep people playing than like an Ultimate Team game would be. I don't know. That's just that's just my thought. So part, part of some of this I found really interesting, though, was some of the numbers they had in here. So... In, apparently in 2K, Take-Two Interactive, um, it's instructive that Take-Two 
agreed to a deal paying the NBA $1.1 billion over the next seven years. So that's how much the NBA license cost take to interactive. Now, they obviously know how much money they're going to make. So them making this deal worked out because if they can still pay $1.1 billion and still make enough money to make them happy, that means this game is generating some serious cash flow. But that's, you know, so what we might have to start seeing, and actually this could be a good thing for FIFA and well, for FIFA fans and for Madden fans, maybe the uh, the license holders won't do exclusive deals anymore. Maybe you won't have an exclusive NFL rights anymore because Madden won't be able to pay as much as they want. So maybe we'd get to see other football games come to market. How cool would that be? Um, so we could see benefit, positive benefits from something like this. Um, probably won't. You know, EA is the type of company that would take less money to still have the exclusive rights. But um, but NBA, while it's not, it doesn't have exclusive rights to anything, it still paid that much money for non-exclusive rights. Crazy. It must. It would just be crazy to see how much money they obviously make if they're willing to fork over 1.1 billion over seven years. And that was apparently double the last deal, which was uh, inked in 2011, well before virtual currency was introduced into the game. So originally, the game they made a deal for, I don't know, 500 million for the whatever amount of time, and now it's doubled because they already know the revenue coming from such a source. So basically they're trying to say a lot of these deals were inked not using the revenue that they've been getting now, and now that they're getting this better revenue, they had to pay more for the license. But if they lose that revenue source, they still have to pay more for the license. You don't think the NBA is going to come back and say, ah, you know, don't worry about it. We'll give you a deal since you're not making as much money. That's not how it works. And so what you could even see is maybe, say we take that out and they're not able to make all that money back to pay for the license, you might see them not even make a basketball game in like, 2k 20 or 2k 21 i mean is a realistic probably not but it's possible these are sort of things that can happen so again i have to stress like i'm not a fan of 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 these companies and i don't think we should shed a tear for the lost money of the ceos and the stockholders but that all trickles down and so there are ramifications and, and an impact when when a company like this has an issue like this so it's just something to think about just something to consider sewing it out there um because again and, and i know i talked about this pretty much last week but again we have to separate our feelings about loot boxes and hating that style of monetization away from the argument that it's against that it's hurting kids because once we hide behind the shield of kids you will have people making laws that um that don't allow this and and specifically and i talked about this last week but specifically in the legislation it's it's very vague wording to things like oh if the game is played by kids or if it's or if the developers have knowledge that kids play the game well of course kids play all it, i sell copies of grand theft auto to kids all the time with their parents permission mind you but parents come in all the time and i'm like hey just so you know this game's got really bad stuff in it do you still want them to buy it and they look at the kid and the kid goes yeah 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 and then the parent goes, oh, he, he plays it at his cousin's house, and then they just buy it. So is that fair that I can't have mature-themed games because that parent lets their kid play it? Right? So, again, that's an issue with Josh Hawley's legislation about loot boxes, but it's that's that's what we're giving up for our hatred of loot boxes is we're trying to we're, we're letting the government step in to try to fix a problem for us when we could easily fix that problem ourselves. And and And... and 
really is it a problem when you don't have to play those games? I mean, gaming right now is bigger than it's ever been. There's there's way more games that I could ever play in a lifetime that I'd want to play available right now. Who cares if Madden ho- horribly abuses loot boxes? I don't have to. I don't have to play Madden. <laughs> I can just forget it. I got a million other things on my plate. So I feel like that's as consumers, that's the decision we have to make. And yes, I know there's people who boycott EA and but that's great. That's good stuff. If you're not happy with a product, don't buy it. Brand loyalty is stupid. Don't do that. But you know, that's how we vote with our dollars, not trying to get the government to step in and fix it. Um, but it is interesting because Polygon got a lot of heat on this article about, you know, oh, being pro corporation is disgusting how pro corporation is. I mean, I think it's a pretty accurate situation. But the beginning definitely has this tinge of, you know, it's going to obliterate sports games. I don't want to see my sports games go away. And that's okay because that's important to this writer. This writer cares about those things. And while I don't, I don't have the same sentiment that he does, but it's fine. You know, it's his opinion. Uh, it's my opinion that uh, that we, we I wish loot boxes would go away and be replaced with something that made more sense that wasn't as abrasive. Um, but also doesn't cause these companies to lose a bunch of money because these companies support thousands of employees. It's like when people talk about they can't wait for GameStop to shut down, but then they'll criticize, you know, a company for cutting a hundred people from its payroll because it needed to cut costs. Well, if GameStop shuts down, that's thousands and thousands of people out of work. If EA were to lose a bunch of money, they will fire people to make up that cost. So let's just not be hypocritical about it is all. And it's, that's not a dig on anyone. It's just let's let's not be hypocritical. Let's understand the situation and then try to be, you know, try to be consistent in our choices and in the things we fight for. And and I think we need, while we need to push back against this practice that we don't like, having legislation come in is not the key. And so I think the Polygon article did a fine enough job making this argument but it was definitely there was there was a tinge of like the writer putting in his own opinion of how much they don't want to see the sports genre disappear all right and so next up on the podcast today we're gonna be talking about mari car again uh because they got sued by nintendo again and they lost again and this sucks um (laughs) because i when i was in japan i took a mari car tour and not counting be getting engaged to my now wife it was the coolest thing i did in japan by a lot <laughs> if i had not done it on the last night we were there i would have probably done it again um so uh, but the story begins many people have heard of mari car by now a japanese go-kart rental company uh that's not that's not really accurate, but okay. That lets customers live the Mario Kart dream by letting customers dress up as the video game's characters and zoom around the streets of Tokyo. Such a concept would have been brilliant if not for the fact that Mario Kart brazenly carried out this operation without Nintendo's express approval. So, first of all, this article's already... Sora News 24, I guess. Uh, this is already, like, a biased article, but let's why not? Let's just go through it. This spurred Nintendo to file a lawsuit calling for the cease and desist of character costume rentals. Now, that's really the issue. First of all, there was an issue about the name, Mari Car, which I thought they lo- that they that Mari Car won that argument because they were trying to argue that it was too similar to the word Mario Kart, which obviously Mari Car you could argue is, but car spelled with a C, Mario Kart K, carts with a K. I mean, <laughs> yes, I guess <laughs> you know, but you you 
that they should have been okay with that. Now, when I was there, yes, they basically now here they make it sound like you rent the suits separately. You don't. So once you rent a cart, they have just a closet full of suits that you can wear. But I don't think it's required. I'm, I mean, I put on like a Mario hoodie and I think I had an Iron Man mask I was going to put on, but it, it limited my visibility so much. I thought it wasn't a good idea to be driving a go-kart in a city I'm unfamiliar with at night while also wearing an Iron Man mask, even though it was, it, it would have been pretty sweet. Um, and, uh, and, uh, anyway, so it says perhaps it was Mari cars mobility, Mari mobility. So apparently they had to change the name to Mari mobility, or maybe they changed it just to try to get out from under it. Uh, the offending company then appealed against being ordered to pay 10 million yen in damages because they were allowing people to dress up as Mari characters, which I, I'm fine with. I think that was probably pushing it too far. You know, you can, you don't have to, like, that wasn't the appeal. Like, the appeal of this was the go-karting, you know. Um, court proceedings are now underway to determine the amount of damage to be awarded to Nintendo, which could potentially end up even higher than the original sum of 10 million yen. We will continue to take necessary measures against infringements of our brand in order to protect our valuable intellectual property that we have developed over the years, Nintendo commented. Um, so... Now, this says Japanese netizens simply shook their heads at Mari Mobility's folly. Here are some quotes, which I'm pretty sure these are Reddit quotes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure because I think I saw the Reddit article about this. But here are the quotes. Quote, they're idiots. Did they really think they could beat Nintendo's legal team? Quote, it's sad that this service is still operating. Good job, Nintendo. Quote, it's only a matter of time before it disappears from Tokyo forever. Quote, that's the strongest legal team right there. Quote, is this whole fiasco still going on? <laughs> End quotes. I don't know. Those are just five quotes that are in this article, and I feel like those are just Reddit comments or or Twitter replies. It's it's pretty terrible. They don't even say who said them. Um, speeding around Tokyo dressed up as Mario, Luigi, or Princess Peach seems like it's hurting, uh, excuse me, hurtling, hurtling towards its final days at the speed of a judge's gavel slamming down, which is probably for the best, really, considering how easily those dangerous go-karts get into accidents. That's, again, the article. Um... Yeah, uh, okay, so I, I feel like there's a lot of issues here, um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to find out what the lawsuit actually was, because I think what it was was they were they were fighting against, let's see here, um, so there was a cease and desist order, and they were supposed to pay this $90,000 US or like 10 million yen or whatever it was, and so they basically, they they filed an appeal to that, and so it looks like um, it looks like that, that, that appeal was denied. So it's, this headline's also misleading saying that it wins a lawsuit again. It's more that they appealed the original verdict and they lost that appeal. So they're going to have to pay up. In fact, they might have to pay more now, depending on what they decide. But, uh, so it's not that like new legislation was brought against them. So, so that's, that's what was frustrating a little bit about the article twos are acting like this is something new when it was just a lost appeal basically but i have real issues with them saying um that uh that people hated this okay so i can only speak from my personal experience okay but i as myself as someone who took the tour and who did this i am the first one to say it seems silly that it's allowed <laughs> i'm the first one to say it it is 
You don't wear helmets. The go-karts can go decently fast, especially when I got going down a little bit of a hill. I mean, I felt good. Now, I felt, I would say I felt like I was going like 35, 40 miles an hour in a go-kart. Who knows what I was actually going? Probably 20, I don't know, 25 maybe. I don't know because you're just going fast and you're in a go-kart and it feels a lot faster than it is. Um, these tours were guided. Uh, like people argue that, oh, it's it's a it's a menace to the streets. When, when they drive, the tour guides, there's one in the front, one in the back, they're very mindful of the traffic. So when you're driving, you drive single file, but when you park at lights, you double up. They have rules in place to try to not be so abrasive to traffic. And then they have us all move together. So from a safety standpoint, yes, I, you probably should have to wear helmets, but I don't know. Japan's different that way. Like they have a lot more personal accountability when it comes to things like this. They're not as, you know, they're not as a litigious a country as we are so not everything has to be thought of like well if you don't wear a helmet you get hurt you'll sue us so you have to wear a helmet they don't not everything's done that way here like a, a quick story i went on a paddle boat tour and we went underneath this it was like with the rising in hiroshima the rising tide and lowering tide we went underneath this shrine and our tour guide just said when you when you go by this don't touch it please i'm like okay and we didn't but in America, you wouldn't just have that. You'd have big chains around it and big things around it saying, you know, you can't even go near it because they don't trust people not to touch it, right? So it's different there. Like they have a different expectation of people's behavior, uh, which is awesome. I actually think it's quite great. And so from a safety aspect, I, I can see that argument. And and if it's stupid tourists, um, I saw a lot of really annoying tourists when I was there and most were American and they were really disrespectful of the place. And so it's possible. But our tour group was great. It went really well. And it was a lot of fun. Um, we even picked up someone whose cart had broken down and apparently his other group had lost him. <laughs> um, but again, so I do think it's fun. And and as much as people say, why don't they just do a closed course or make it like real go-karting? Some of the appeal is that you're actually driving these on city streets. And they do. I mean, it was fun. It was really, really fun. And I, I've always enjoyed go-karts. So I guess if you don't like go-karts, you wouldn't like this anyway. But it was really fun. And and I'm not saying that that they weren't ab abrasive in in um in in their using of Mario Kart costumes. I don't think. I, I think if they were smart, they wouldn't have done that. You know, why poke the beast, right? They could have just had it where you're in tours of cars called Mario cars. They look like Mario Kart go-karts a little bit. Like you probably could have got away with it. But then you have people dressing up as Disney and Mario and Nintendo characters. Like, yes, you're going to run into problems there. So they should have been smarter. I, I don't have a problem with that. And I also don't have a problem with them appealing, losing a lawsuit. Everybody should. Um, if you really think that you did nothing wrong. And if they lose that appeal, then the courts decide against you. And that's how it goes. But they're in every one of their rights to appeal a lawsuit or, or a judgment just as much as Nintendo was in their right to file it in the first place. Um, but a lot of people, so getting back to one of the other things is that people will argue how everyone in Tokyo hates it. Uh, I couldn't, our experience was not, could not be further from the truth. We would go to intersections where we would stop. You'd have people on the side of the corner, waving, laughing, taking pictures, um, like with their phones and not with cameras. These people I don't believe were tourists. You saw businessmen walking around that would laugh and, and, and think it was funny. Um, we had, um, and I know this is different because it's a little girl, but my, my wife, my now wife, my then fiance, was dressed up as Minnie Mouse in her costume. And this little girl saw her when we parked at an intersection. And the little girl was just like, Minnie, Minnie. And she just, it was adorable. Okay, so that kid, and then we waved and she waved and it was, it was awesome. So 
like to act like everybody in Tokyo hates this, that's not true. And <laughs> I and I know what I'm saying is just from my own personal experience, but we had a great experience doing it. And I, I, I said that everybody who goes there needs to do it because it's super fun. And I don't think them losing this lawsuit is going to hurt them because they're they're growing and growing. I mean, they, they've been I think they're putting a lot of money in the bank. I think they'll be OK. But, you know, they they skirted a line for a while and, and they got caught. And, and I think it's fair that Nintendo can say, you know, what, we don't want you wearing our costumes of our characters on the street if in case some of these do get an accident because you never know who might think Nintendo's liable because of that or if they see people driving around as Mario on the streets think that that's a Nintendo thing and so I think that's fair and I think they should have to pay up uh, because I think that they they were pushing the boundaries but to just say that the service should just go away I really think that'd be doing a disservice and I, I really challenge anyone who enjoys stuff like this to really try it out if you're ever there. And I understand if you've never been there, if you don't think you'll ever go and you look at this and you think it's childish and stupid, that's okay. I'm just saying it was really fun. And from somebody, and again, I like go-karting, but I, man, it was, it was just so cool. And uh, we went in the afternoon, it started in the afternoon and then went into the evening. So we, we drove during the sunset. We were driving on what essentially looked like a highway at night. So it looked just like, um, just like, like Mario Kart stages. It was so cool. And, I have great video of it, and, and it was awesome. But I also understand that there are a lot of people out there who are really dumb and who don't pay attention, who probably are taking pictures and taking selfies while driving, and they probably would crash because they're morons. And and that's but that's in real life too. I mean, that's that's real cars do the same thing. It's horrible, but you know, I I just I, I would hate to see them go away because it was it was quite an enjoyable memory for me. And I am uh, my wife and I are planning to go back to Tokyo in 2021. So when we go back. Um, I, I hope it's around so I can do it one more time. All right. So, yeah, I oh, man, that, that I don't know. It makes me mad when I read all these negative things about Mari Car because most people that have complaints about it have never done it. And I hate people who complain about things and say, say things suck when they haven't actually had any experience with it. And so that bums me out. Um, I know there was one other thing I wanted to talk about something to do with collecting or something. I don't remember. And it doesn't matter. Um, I, I got to get going anyway. So we have our uh, our pickup pile of the week, and then we have our game of the week. So first, let me get the game of the week out of the way because this, uh, this uh, won't take as long <laughs> since I have so much in my pickup pile. So uh, the game of the week is for the NES this week, and it is a game called... A boy and his blob. If you've never played this game before, at first it looks like your normal side-scrolling platformer, but a boy and his cute little blob named uh, uh, from the distant planet Blobonia <laughs> in search of an Earth boy to help him save his world. Join him on this fantastic adventure in mysterious caverns beneath the Earth searching for treasures. Then travel to Blobolonia to battle the evil emperor. Discover Blob's amazing appetite for jelly beans and the different transformations that occur with each flavor. Learn to use these shapes to overcome even the most outrageous obstacles. A Boy and His Blob is a fantastic journey filled with constant surprises and humorous characters. Yes, <laughs> it is. But here's the interesting thing. It's actually more of a puzzle game. It reminds me more of a point-and-click game than it does a side-scrolling platformer because you'll get somewhere and say you need a ladder. Well, you have to feed your blob certain jelly beans, and it'll turn them into a ladder, so then you can use the ladder and access the place you want to be. One area, you can turn the blob into, like, a black hole. You jump down, and it takes you, like, through the floor. And so it's not really a side-scrolling platformer. It's kind of a difficult game because 
I don't think they really tell you what the jelly beans do, but then they also give you a limited number of said jelly beans. So if like, you know, you waste all the ladder ones forgetting what they do and then you make a ladder, you're like, oh shoot, I need a ladder now and you don't have the jelly bean ladders. Like, I believe that you just can't advance. But I don't remember 100% sure. Jenny and I were playing through this one time. We got to play through it again um, because she used to play it as a kid too and I, I absolutely love that game. But uh, for the NES, A Boy and His Blob, check it out. It's pretty fun. <clears throat> okay, so for my game pickups of the week, or for my, my pickup pile, um, this is a doozy. I'm just going to go through the PS2 stuff because I, I got some PS4 games, some limited run. The only one I do want to talk about is limited run did a collector's edition of Curse of the Moon. That's the Bloodstained spinoff game that was made by Inti. Uh, Inti creates, and they basically made the box look like the Castlevania 1, 2, and 3 boxes with the silver sides and the art in the middle. It's top-notch collector's edition. Uh, it's so awesome, and being a Castlevania fan like I am, it's pretty great, and uh, and it's a really awesome collector's edition. That's the PS4 version. They also did a Vita and a Switch version. But let's get to this. So <laughs> there's so much here. Uh, actually, and I have another pile of stuff I brought home yesterday, which I'll save for next week's pickup pile because it would have been twice as many as what I have here. <clears throat> Lately, I've been on a really big horror kick and uh, RPG kick. Um, and so I've been picking up a lot of, a lot of weird randos here and there for PS2 and, and stuff. And yesterday we had a PS2 and PSP trade that was pretty good. Um, but first up, uh, I picked up a physical copy of Metal Slug 4 and 5 for the PS2. Um, now they released a Metal Slug anthology for the PS2, which has every Metal Slug game on it. But I love, love, love Metal Slug. So even though 4 and 5 are on the, and that, uh, on the anthology pack, I still picked that up. I still uh, picked up Metal Slug 4 and 5 because 4 and 5 are on separate discs, actually, too. It's, it's pretty cool. So it's a two-disc game. The box art's awesome. Metal Slug, if you've never played it, first of all, how dare you? And second of all, it's basically Contra-style gameplay, but with this much, much better sprite-animated uh, kind of comedy look to it. Uh, it. Everything's incredible. Like, the game just looks awesome. It's an old SNK arcade game that they ported. Um, so then we're moving on to an RPG for PS2 called Makai Kingdom. Now, before I opened Game Trade, I was collecting PS1 and PS2 RPGs. That was my collection. And um, so I had this game, and I sold all this stuff when I opened my store. Like, when people came to my store opening night, every PS1 game I had was like an RPG. So imagine going to a store and seeing like 100 PS1 games for sale, and every one of them is the rarest games on the PS1. <laughs> that was what my store had the first day I opened. So, uh, Makai Kingdom, though, is is... You know, it's kind of a generic uh, tactics RPG, but it's, you know, it was it's going in the collection. Like I said, I'm on a big RPG kick right now. Um, Burnout 3 was the next one I picked up. So uh, this is the last one that I enjoyed of the Burnout franchise, but Burnout 2 and Burnout 3 are just excellent games. Crash Mode is still one of my favorite modes created, I think, in any game ever. And if you've never played Burnout... Um, it's it's a racing game. It's whatever. Uh, it's very fast paced. In fact, you you get like speed modifiers for doing like close calls and power sliding around corners, and you build up like this heat meter, this fire meter that keeps going up as you do more dangerous and dangerous driving, and then eventually you're going so fast that you're just zipping through these levels. Love it. Um, burnout. Uh, so the crash mode though is a predetermined intersection with predetermined traffic. And it's timed, and your mission is to drive into that intersection and cause as much damage as humanly possible. And so you drive into this thing full speed, and then you watch the cars like explode and blow up and chain react into other explosions. And the whole time it's ticking a money counter. Like 
5,000 damage, 20,000 damage, 100,000 damage, blowing up a semi-tanker. Like, it's awesome. And we used to sit around drinking, playing this game, and we just would pass the controller, like, can you beat my score? Can you beat my score? Just just awesome. Um, so, yeah, Burnout, definitely really good. Uh, another racing game I finally put in the collection, a game I've always enjoyed. I just never had it in the collection. But uh, Need for Speed Underground 2. Uh, Underground 2 changed the formula of Underground 1, made it an open-world racing game. You drive around, you find hidden shops for upgrades, you, you go out driving, uh, free roam driving. It was one of the first Need for Speed games, I think, that was free roam, um, which Midnight Club 3, I think, did before this one because Need for Speed Underground, which I love also, had no free roam at all. It just went, You just went race to race to race. This game has a whole like city you drive around, but you still have all the customization options of you do the previous, of all the previous. Um, then we have another PS2 RPG, called La Pucelle Tactics. Uh, La Pucelle Tactics is uh, another cutesy JRPG. Um, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I'm on, a J <laughs> I'm on a Japanese RPG kick right now, so I just I had to have it. And I'm, I'm putting a lot of these games that I used to have in my collection back in my collection now. La Pucelle, if I remember correctly, this came out just after Disgaea. And so Disgaea had kind of been this, hey, these obscure Japanese RPGs are going to start coming out in the States. Excuse me, I'm yawning already. That's not a good sign. They're going to start coming out in the States. Uh, and so then people like companies like Mastiff were publishing Japanese games and paying to have them brought over and, and sell them. And then finally, I can't believe I didn't have either one of these. But I picked up both the Champions games for PS2. So Champions of Norath and Champions Return to Arms. They play similarly to Diablo, I guess I would say, um, or Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, if you've played that. Um, and they're excellent, and they take place in the EverQuest universe, um, and it's really good, and you can have up to four players if you have a multi-tap, and I want to say that the character transfers from the first one to the second one, I think. Yeah, you can import your champion from the first game, so you can play the first one, build up characters, and then switch to the second one, but they're really good, um, you know, Western RPGs, I guess you would call them, so, you know, that kind of top-down, uh, isometric view, um hack and slash and so kind of like a diablo or like a Baldur's gate but really really good so there's that um yeah all right and so i guess that's actually that's it for today uh, uh i did my my pickup pile i didn't have a user question this week i got my game of the week done had a couple news stories for y'all so uh, with that being said, I know it's a little bit shorter, but thank you again for coming along for the ride this week. Uh, I should be back to form next week, back to normal. I think, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's it, like I was planning. I didn't have this all planned until last Friday. All of a sudden I had to get these cases ordered and they're like, oh, we can only do it Tuesday. We can only deliver Tuesday morning. I'm like, oh, it's like the one day I try not to do anything except this podcast and my YouTube stuff. Fine. It is what it is. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you as always for listening and watching and uh, have a great day. 